This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast this week. Uh, kind of a broad strokes topic and something that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think of. Mm-hmm. So TCG basically just issued update you know uh, article magic.tcg player is dead long live magic.tcg player from peter day Mm -hmm. and it's basically talking about how they're going to change the way their articles their website works and after the star city redesign last year and what a debacle that was i figured we'd talk a little bit about how interface changes like that actually can have an effect on mtg finance as well Mm as a little bit of a supply issue update uh obviously you know some products were delayed about a month ago. We had Commander Spellbook Green, or whatever they're calling it. Yep. Oracle of Muldaya reprint box uh, got delayed till December. But we're going to be touching on those things. We'll get started with the supply issues first, and with that, we'll get it taken away. Yep. Uh, so the supply issue thing is actually twofold, because we not only have magic supply being delayed, we actually have physical card supplies uh, being delayed, and we're finally really starting to kind of see that uh, take place. If anybody's ordered cards... In off TCG player in the last, I'd say, four to eight weeks, there's a really good chance that a lot of what you have received has just been packaged as best as possible without top loaders because nobody's getting PVC, essentially. It's very yep. difficult to get to make uh, something a product that small. PVC pipe and other home essentials, you can still sure. get, but something malleable like that, not so much. So there's this kind of awkward space in, uh, in the finance world right now where people are just taking a gamble. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's shut down, but I've seen a lot of people attempt to buy supply at a much more inflated number than they would normally just to be able to sell properly on TCG Player. Not really uh, big in the finance world overall, although it does add an additional level of questionableness to how you're going to be sending your cards out. Personally, uh, if I didn't have the back stock of top loaders, I've been able to pick up over the years i probably wouldn't be selling at all right now just because i don't want to lose anything to usps and their distinct inability to follow the do not machine or do not bend instructions yeah uh so again not really top level in regards to finance the supply chain issue however with magic product is much more relevant to this we're getting double master yeah, double masters now, how much we get now, how much we're going to get in a couple of months for a restock wave, we're unsure of. And that Commander Green product, uh, as Mark Rosewater said, it was just kind of delayed without an inability to respond. That this yeah. is it. This is all they have. This is what they get, essentially, as Wasi. There's nothing they can do about this. And it's worth noting, too, you know, in addition to the delays that I think we're inevitably going to see with double masters. Uh, Jumpstart mm-hmm. still has not had its second wave hit some of the larger vendors. So there's still people waiting on pre-orders for boxes, yep. which this has a pretty big effect. Because if you go right now and you look at Branching Evolution, which was a card I had pegged that would be below $10, I think the cheapest one is 30 or 40 right now. Yeah, it's still somewhere floating around there. And we still haven't gotten a second wave. Well, I'm pretty sure by the time Double Masters comes out, people have moved on from Jumpstart. So Mero can say it's a print at will product all he wants to. He still has to sell. That product still has to sell. Yes. In order for, you know, LGSs to keep bringing more in to get more supply out there. Mm -hmm. And with paper 
shut down again until at least September, uh, there's not a big chance that you're going to see it. Yeah. So, and they have to attempt to weave second, or had to have had attempted to weave in second ways based on almost entirely pre-orders. They yeah. couldn't. They couldn't just go to the printer and say, "Okay, spin it up again," because they have to be printing the rest of the stuff. If Commander Green is delayed until December, there's a really good chance that at this point, that's what's in print right now, or it will yeah. be in print because they had to delay a quarry. At some point, they had to print a Zendikar. Remember that yep. set's coming out in. Uh, like a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Something right now. Like that, and we've got double masters in between that. Yeah. So all this stuff gotta, had to have been printed already. And you've got this perfect storm of, you know, which we harped on earlier was in previous episodes, you've got month, 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 and every single month there's release. Yeah. And, you know, combine the product delays and everything with that. And all of a sudden these every month releases are suddenly some of the scarcest product you will see in magic in the past few years. Oh yeah. Because print runs have exploded, but right now, that's just not possible. Mm -hmm. And that's going to have, you know, a pretty sizable effect. And then to touch back on the top loader issue, you know, there's LGSs that are basically paying five cents for top loaders from people to bring them in. Mm -hmm. And ordering singles right now can be kind of a crapshoot, like you touched on. It's It could show up bent in half. It could show up wrinkled, whatever. There's oh, yeah. all these things that are going wrong now just because of something seemingly so small. So for me, I'm, you know, I'd be a little bit more wary ordering like a UC or something off TCG player because if I'm going to spend that much, I, I want it to be like done. Yeah, you, you want know, insurance that's going to get to you. Yeah. Yeah. In good condition, and that's just not there. I, you know sure there's facebook groups where people have posted i've seen pictures and you know some of the group chats i'm in of people getting packages that are like cardboard taped together yep. with a team bag and a card and a penny sleeve taped to the cardboard and they're hoping that that just gets there okay so it's it's interesting to see and i think that the supply issue you know is a pretty big deal especially with what they've announced now with zendikar where we have a new type of booster coming we have draft boosters collectors boosters normal boosters i don't know too many products yeah it but... sounded like if watsi was going to create a product catalog they were they took collector or sorry yeah collectors boosters and draft boosters what we have known all along as a regular booster and then crafted eight products from two and yeah. it seems like there's just going to be some interleaving of addition or interweaving of additional items with them to create from two eight products because you can buy like your booster box you can buy an individual pack you can buy some blisters and like it's just kind of a lot of smoke and mirrors to inflate skew numbers yeah and it's it's interesting that they've chosen to do this in a time where there's already product shortages yeah so it's definitely you know we're starting to feel a crunch on it now i think especially as doubles masters hits which people are pretty much over the issues of supply for jumpstart now whatever who cares mm -hmm. uh and we'll see what happens because double masters has not exactly been a popular set with some of the more casual players saying that vip packs and everything are yeah. you know whatever product's gonna sell it's just gonna be interesting to see how upset people get when they can't get the cards at all yeah because part of the excitement over releases like jumpstart and double masters and commander is you'll get some high value reprints that get priced down well if the supply is not there suddenly those singles aren't worth as much mm -hmm. and 
it's probably worth taking a look at something like Sword of Fire and Ice, which was just announced as a reprint with absolutely gorgeous art. Yeah, that, both uh, art for that card are, are way better than the uh, invention art, at least, in my opinion. Yeah. Same with War and Peace. Yeah. And seeing what happens to the price on these cards as these reprints get announced, because, you know, frankly, I think if you can, you know, low on Fire and Ice from Darksteel is like 50 right now, and that's the least popular version or whatever if you can get it for 30 to 40 i think that's worth it because of the supply issues so this is a big opportunity for people to try to jump on some of that stuff as well i the idea of buying into sealed for double masters based on the presumed shortage it isn't a bad idea at all right now we are kind of in the last throes of spoiler season for this and if you are able to get your box around 300 to 310 so basically amazon pricing the breakdown of just rares and mythics that were announced as of the time of recording this podcast what well, was about put about a, an ev of 370 dollars on the box somewhere in there so even yeah. if the and we were at about i think 67 percent of the mythics spoiled and very close to 70 percent of the rares so yeah. it, it, would, it would be very unlikely that everything else to get spoiled in those two slots would drop the box to uh, what is effectively MSRP because Amazon is handling this set. So you have to match Amazon. You have to price to Amazon. Otherwise, you'll lose to Amazon. Uh, yep. That holding sealed for some amount of time is not a bad idea. But overall, because of the disparity in prices across the rares and the mythics, if you were only looking for a handful of cards, you weren't just looking to flip product in the short term. It might be an extended window where you can do this. If you weren't just looking to crack and flip singles you don't need, buying into singles might actually be the way to go because there will be a a glut at the beginning. There are going to be a lot of vendors just opening this product to sell immediately. There are going to be people who actually did buy it to draft, etc. And getting in on cards like Fire and Ice and uh, Crypt, Force of Will, uh, Modern Reflections, which just spoiled this morning, those kinds of cards, when they drop immediately, will eventually or should eventually rebound to some degree. And getting yeah. in at that this new floor is going to be the way to go. Look at Blightsteel Colossus. That card was spoiled. The Mirrodin Besiege version dropped from 90 to, I think it's 40 or 50. And all it has done since then is climb. Yep. That's it. That card has done nothing but climb. And the same thing with Doubling Season. Doubling Season did recover a bit. Uh, I don't think the... Uh, Battle Bond version has recovered fully. But the Ravnica version, because it's unique art, has yeah it's definitely come back the other thing that a lot of people aren't talking about is and i don't think a lot of people have really put a lot of thought into this because there's just this swarm of information coming at us from watsi about about these products and this year is as busy as hell we don't have a roadmap for 2021 yet in regards to the product we're coming up very close to a point in time where a year ago we knew everything that was coming out in regards to uh, yeah. major sets in regard and uh names themes and we knew about the commander draft set because that was the big thing, and maybe green at this point. Yeah. We do not have a, a 2021 roadmap, and what wouldn't surprise me is Watsi trying to catch up to supply issues by halting any additional supplemental products they had for 2021 that wasn't another master set, another not another heater, and yeah. try and refill Jumpstart and refill Double Masters in that in that time period, because Carta can only print so much while, yeah. they're, while they're down, and they are in Texas, which is open to some degree. But if Texas closes down again, then everything stops. Yep. Which is a very real thing, and not a lot of uh, like, not a lot of things people want to talk about right now. So the, this does play into finance as a whole, and should 
factor into your projections for do you want to hold seals do you want to hold singles what is the play for double masters is this going to be the kind of product that you can just crack and flip uh you know yeah. in the first couple of weeks or not you know you, this is something you be very you need to be very cognizant of and make your choice appropriately um Personally, I think I might pick up a few singles for play, but otherwise, this set as a whole, it doesn't seem like a trap to me, but it just seems like flipping singles is, it for me, would be the way to the way to go. Yeah, and I think that that's long-term probably the better way to do it, because I, you know, granted... Eh. I don't need more Death Shadows. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I don't need more Death Shadows, and I don't need Basalt Monoliths that aren't in foil. I don't need yeah. more Fatal Pushes, even Box Toppers. There's a lot of a lot of stuff in this set that I think might be fairly immovable moving forward, especially if Modern doesn't cut over to Arena. If Modern doesn't cut over to Arena, what are those Tron lands worth? They are not good in EDH. Fatal Push is okay at best in EDH. Yeah. Uh, map is like the only card thus far, the only uncommon or common that I would be happy opening as a box topper. Not even Greaves yep. because there's an FNM promo that's worth more. The set foil, the original set foil agrees, might actually be worth more than the box topper. Just because, yeah. it, while it is not unique art, that art has been used across Commander, it's from Mirrodin. And that border in foil is really weird, and it has this kind of niche spot in the market. And I would not be surprised if the box topper was actually the cheapest version in foil of Lightning Greaves. Yeah. I am not amused by a lot, no. of, this by a lot of this craft. I, I think it's also... You know, and again, for me, I think singles is the way to go because the liquidity is a lot better, and I don't want to sit on a product that, you know, like you said, they haven't really announced what's the roadmap is for next year. Yeah. And it was late July, early August that we got it last year, and if as long as we don't have that map, they still do have that option to just say, hey, we're going to spend the first quarter of the year pumping out a bunch of product that we're catching up on because we want to make sure this stuff sells because yeah. we want it in our players' hands. And, I mean, hell, they could say, hey, LGSs, you know what? A bunch of places went back on lockdown. Here's a bunch of Double Masters. Here's a bunch of Jumpstart, all for free. Yeah. Just like they did with the Mystery Boosters to try to help those stores keep afloat while they're struggling with everything. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting, I think. But I, I think that, by and large, uh, you know, it's, it's not looking great. No. Um, what I'll do is I'll attach the Google Drive link that is being maintained by mtg goldfish that lists out all the mythics rares the uh, dollar value of each as of the moment they were spoiled and then the estimated value for the box assuming that nothing else that has been spoiled has a value yeah. meaning if this if spoiling stopped now and the set was only the cards that were spoiled this is the value of the box that number is about 370 and there is an, an additional valuation, and this is the one I like the most because a lot of the industry forgets this. If you were to take the set right now and keep it as large as it actually is, but zero out the value of the rest of those cards, what is that box worth? It is worth about $260 right now. That is, as of last week, $40 below Amazon value. So you are operating at a loss if nothing yeah. else in the set held value. And you just opened, you know, uh, Hill Giants and the rest of the slots. So it's probably uh, what it's going to be. I mean, most likely, but this is actually like the calculations on this are actually really nice because, like I said, that that second valuation isn't done a lot. As an analyst, you're not trained to do that for your clients, but as an external vendor, you can and you should. And this yeah. is something that I forgot about until I saw it today, so it is very, very much worthwhile. 
Actually, let me add that to my notes for this week. Uh, and then we had the thrilling penultimate conclusion of the MTG Players Tour this week that started out kind of interesting, but that ended the uh, the exact way we thought it would. A Brian Kibler joke. Um, so we went hey. in, we went into this weekend, and I'll bring this up real quick. Uh, with the breakdown that looks as such, a 40% teamer rec field, which looks a little overbearing, but on coverage, they talked about this before. When you look at uh, NHO's cons block, because this was one of the easiest parallels, when you had some very oppressive cards in three colors, you would walk. You walked into that Pro Tour, the cons of Tarkir standard, not the block Pro Tour, and about the same percentage of the field was on some form of Absan, either control or mid-range, yep. and the rest of the field was smattered across aggro and control and all, and all this other stuff. But Abzan, while the story of that Pro Tour, because it was the highest percentage deck, was not the most winning deck like Reclamation was. All the other decks could operate in the field and play specifically. You didn't have uh, Abzan kind of fold in on itself and try and beat the decks that were attempting to beat the best Abzan deck like you have right now. There's yeah. three-color Teamerek, and there's four-color Teamerek splashing white for Teferi, which is basically meant to go up against just Teamerek. And then you have the monocolor, monocolor aggro decks and a few other things, like the Esper midrange deck that was brought to beat the decks that were meant to beat Teamerek in an attempt to kind of level up the field. Yeah. And it's, it's worth noting, too, that you... I think this is more indicative, again, of design space issues than anything else. Uh, because, like you said, while Abzan existed in that, and everyone knew that Abzan was the boogeyman of the format, mm -hmm. it wasn't as oppressive as Reclamation is in the current standard. Nope. Uh, there was, I think, you know, like I'd mentioned last week, all these articles that said, how did the best non-Grow Spiral deck? Well, you know, Grow Spiral is, yes, in all of these decks, but the two of them together, I think, are the problem. And I think that this is when you're going to have to see, you know, as we touched on last week, talking about how things on Arena with this new ladder might get a little bit more homogenized. This is the type of thing where, I mean, I have to think something's going to get banned out of this. And it's what's going to be well positioned. So financially, what are you going to move in on? Yeah. And uh, I love that the good buddy murderous writer made an appearance in the top eight even if it was just one of them oh yeah let me, i'll bring up black, that list real quick yeah the mono blacklist which is just a really efficient aggro deck mm -hmm. um, that that to me was the most interesting thing i saw all weekend besides at least in the top eight besides the esper lists that i thought were incredible and if you haven't ever been to mtgazone.com uh it is one of the best sites for like just broad strokes analysis of what's going on in the high-level competitive metagame. And they touched on the Esper deck that a lot of the Japanese pros brought that curved out with, like, Hallowblade, Registrar, and Sphinx. And I love Sphinx of Foresight. So just having stuff like that that you can curve into was pretty sweet, I thought. But Yeah, they I, talked about it on stream, and I did not see it, which was a shame, because I thought that matchup would have been a little more interesting than yeah. what we got for the majority of the weekend. But mirror matches yep or uh, what well, to be fair eventually uh toward like midway through day two when raf levy was operating on like two hours sleep they started featuring him on azor control so that was a yeah. little more interesting that was great 
<laughs> but uh, I, I think it's, you know, again, financially not a whole lot. It's more of the same. Reclamation and Gross Spiral and Uro are still the problem. Uh, you just got Shark Typhoon as another finisher. So, yeah, just got better. Yeah, I think the one of the important takeaways from from Wreck is that the core of this deck is going to be good no matter where it falls in any given format because this does port straight down into Pioneer. There's nothing in this deck that you can't play. It's just Pioneer is a little more aggressive in regards to yeah. its combo kill turns than Team Wreck has the ability to function on. But that doesn't mean that a deck like Team Wreck can't be ported into Pioneer with a handful of upgrades in later sets as Wasi pushes the power level of uh, certain things or actually decides that they want to support Pioneer and start cutting the legs out from uh, Inverter or Lotus Breach, etc. Right now in 4-Color Wreck, you know, Teferi Time Reveler is basically being propped up by Standard. Once that card rotates out, that should be an easy pickup because it exists in Modern, and I think that's it afterwards. Yeah. It's just so, just like Unlike Big Teferi, I should say, who does a little more EDH, Small Teferi doesn't do a whole lot there and isn't doing a whole lot elsewhere. That's not a bad card to pick up. Uro is just kind of, is going to be Uro afterwards and just kind of slot into the Band Ramp deck, which already has a finisher in Ugin, so it'll just be reworked. I think the next two best places to look are going to be Wilderness Wreck. As that rotates out, it's going to drop a little bit and then pick up because that still functions really well in EDH. It's not quite Seedborn Muse, but it's close. Yeah. And having another approximation and something that's a little sturdier in an enchantment versus a creature is always something to keep your eye on. I still have a bunch of them for when I bought in and a quarter each, and I'm going to I'm going to ride it till the end of time. And so, then expansion explosion again, another pioneer card that can make it, and it functions extremely well in EDH because it's effect it is not effectively it literally is a split card. And then again in, in pioneer or anything else silly that happens later on. You know, I mentioned Thousand Year Storm a couple months ago as a pick, and that's gone up because of EDH. An expansion explosion plays really well with that card because you can just expand something that you've already casted ahead of time. You know, your high tide yep. combo doesn't have to happen four or five spells into Thousand Year Storm. You could be turned like spell three, high tide, spell four, expand it, and now you have your third or fourth, maybe fifth fork in the deck on a split card that is also a kill con if you explode. So that card still has ramifications and is definitely another card I will look into as this rotates. Otherwise, like you said, financially, it's just kind of whatever. I had a bunch of growth spirals that I just tossed or tossed away in bulk because they're not going to go anywhere else. You, they're, they're a common, unless they're foil or the promo version. That card's not going to see much financial movement moving forward. There's infinite no. of that card floating around. Set was one of the last sets that you could draft, and it was drafted heavily. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, and, and then like some of the odds and ends, like Yoriel, Kenrith, they still exist in standard, so it, it's hard to yeah. kind of want to buy in. However, Kenrith is a really interesting EDH general. The reanimation clause is quite interesting because the creature comes into play under its owner's under under its owner's control. So like, this is purely anecdotal, but at the table I was playing with, I had an elves player. And uh, another player playing blue while I had while I was playing Kenrith, and I just ramped out to Infinity and Beyond, and my my elf player cast Allosaurus Rider into a counter spell, and then Crater Hoof Behemoth into another counter spell, and I I was one tutor short of being able to on my turn reanimate Crater Hoof under my elf player's control to pump his <laughs> team, cast Insurrection to take everything, and then right yeah. of replicating his cra that that Crater Hoof and just Huff. blow it out. Yeah. But Kenrith is weird and shenanigan -y. 
And yeah. that, as a general in EDH, is definitely something I, w- I would look forward to. So if Kenrith falls out of favor in the meta from Team or Wreck, that's a card I would definitely look into, uh, like anecdote aside. Solar Blaze is also cropping up, which I find is kind of interesting. I know um, that's basically a cyborg card, but I assume that that's going to fall out immediately once Team or Wreck yeah. goes. Um, because it's basically used against Sharks and Uro. And, yep. uh, well, the mono red and mono white decks. It's Exploding it is really what you want to do against those decks. So you can just hit three, it takes out... Um, or all the white creatures essentially punch themselves. Any tokens they make are now on the battlefield before the original copy resolves if, if you explode it, and then it wipes out the rest of the battlefield. Yeah. And so you kind of lose a little potency with that card once uh, explosion expand explode ro- rotates out of the format. So all said and told, I believe there is some value. It's long term, but it's going to be EDH and then Pioneer if they ever fix that freaking format. Doubtful. But uh, absolutely agreed. However, every other deck that's in here, Jun Sacrifice, Mono Black, Mono White, Mono Green, uh, the Mono Red decks, there's all opportunity for those decks to actually see play after Team Rec rotates out of the format because there is no premier aggro deck right now that isn't Mono Green. Yeah. And even then, it's kind of dicey because the white version of uh, Team Rec operates on a different axis than just Team Rec with Jace. You can just keep yeah. bouncing their big threat. You know, put it back in hand, counter it on the way down, or make a big shark in, on your turn. So the financial aspects here are, are so like, like I said, long-term, and then suppression, which is something interesting to think about. Yeah, I think that's where we are in regards to that. Um, we touched on TCG Website Player Infinite, or no? Yeah, there it no, is. we did not. Okay, cool. So here so, we are. Basically, TLDR on the announcement: TCG Player is taking articles off of their site, off of Magic.TCG Player. That's going to be strictly for singles and products. You can go now. The website's already updated, and they've got oh, here's all our new stuff. Yep. Uh, you can click, they have big boxes for the new products, and the article site is infinite.tcgplayer.com. Now, why is this relevant? So one of the reasons this is relevant is because, compare this to Star City's website. Star City redesigned their interface, and it's awful, but their articles are hosted on site. The big difference here is that if you ever click on an article on TCG or Star City, you notice you can highlight the card and immediately buy it. The reason that this can have an impact is because now you have to go through an extra step to get to the articles on TCG Player. So whereas before, you'd see Hot New Standard, and you're like, well, I don't really care about these articles, but I guess I'll just take a look at the deck lists. You scroll down, you take a look at the deck list, and you see, oh, I need this card. This deck looks fun. Great. You click the card, and you buy it immediately. That's awesome when it's all hosted natively on the site, Mm -hmm. like Star City. However... Now, like I said, you have to go through extra steps to get it on TCG Player. Is this going to have a huge effect? Probably not. But it is something that you should at least be aware of when selling on platforms, and especially if you've ever gone through like Crystal Commerce or TCG, or one of those places where you can set up content creation and have linked articles, affiliate links, whatever. And maybe 5% of total TCG sales came from clicking articles. Yeah whatever that's still a five percent revenue loss that you have to deal with now so it's just something that i think is worth keeping an eye on and at least for me personally i would you know all right well i guess i'll see what's going on here and maybe we'll find out what to do with yeah see uh, i'm of a slightly different mindset at 
To me, at the top level, this is a separation of concerns where you have your sales platform and your news platform separate, so you can separate them at the business level, and they can each have different revenue streams. You don't have to worry about one propping up the other, et cetera. You can do a little more biz, uh, business valuation there, and you can give yourself your own freaking aff uh, affiliate link if you want, so you can track sales coming over from your articles a little more clearly and a little better. So from a business standpoint, I like to change over. From a customer standpoint, I dislike it for the exact same reason where when you're clicking on a card on infinite.tgplayer.com as I demoed uh, in the podcast, it just takes you to TCG Player or shop.tgplayer.com whatever it is, and it takes you directly to that page, at which point you can add it to your cart, and then you go, can go back to the article and if you find another card you like from the article, it's the exact same process, and it keeps spooling into your cart, whether you're logged in or not, so that I think is, is great. Where I actually differ a little more is I think this might have more impact on sales in a positive way than a negative way. I do understand the revenue loss, but at the same time, I absolutely forgot that TCG player had articles because they were just buried deep within the website. Fair. So when you break them out into the top level, it might bring a little more visibility, at least to the article side of things, which could lead to more sales overall, but it could still be a negative for the exact same reason that you know, you, you brought up, which is that you've got to click something, go to another website, click something else. It's not a seamless experience. It might be in the future. Lazy, I don't want to click. I agree. <laughs> I agree. If I'm buying something, like, the entire reason I would ever buy anything from an article off TCG Player was because it would spool into my cart there. At, yep. Same thing with Star City. If I was reading something, I was like, oh, I could use that card. Click, it would just add to cart. Yep. So maybe in the future that functionality comes around. We brought up the top-level article at the beginning, and you can kind of read through it and see that this was a redesign based on not uh, laziness, but they didn't want to fall into the exact same pitfall that Star City did, which is attempting to o overhaul the entire marketplace. They said, and rightfully so as architects, that it would just be easier to draft another version of the article-based website and place that up. And they're both still at tcgplayer.com. It's just different subdomains. So from an engineering perspective, there is the opportunity for those two portions of the site to talk to each other. But creating that webhook is just going to take some time to to square up. And I assume it will happen. But right now, they just rolled out you know, the MVP, the minimum viable product, which is just get the articles out and link. Yeah. And to me, that's fine, and I understand. It's the exact same thing that Star City did, but they tried to revamp the entire platform, which did not work well because they were still going to old.starcitygames.com for their old articles, for their carts, for the account info. It's like that just was not set up, that MVP, correctly. And so it was a horrendous experience up until a couple of weeks ago where they finally fixed the search functionality of the website. Yeah. So overall, I like this. I might actually read some more articles from TCG Player. And like I said, from a business standpoint, it makes sense. So I, I like the change uh, overall. And because I never really did business through the articles with TCG Player in the first place, because I didn't really read those articles that often, uh, this doesn't affect me that much. But I can understand where this either has a positive or a negative impact for sellers. Yeah. So overall, we'll see. The R was pretty yeah. short. Yeah, exactly. And it looks nice. The The flow is fine. And it's not going to hamper people from being able, really hamper people from being able to move from the articles over to the, the sales side of things. That's fair, yeah. Um, it's just, there are, I'm going to keep saying the same thing. Lazy people will not follow that. And that's you and I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As I sit here in my robe. Yeah. Uh. You, look, you look fabulous. It's fine. Thank you. I was going to mention it off cast, but if you're going to bring it up, I'll, I'll lean into it. Yeah, sure. All right. 
Uh, Anything else? Uh, no, I think I'm ready for picks. All right. You want to take it away this week? I will start us off. So mine is from one of the sets that seemingly dodged all of the supply issues we're experiencing, and that's Core 21. Uh, and that is Animal Sanctuary Full Art. Why this card? Well, uh, it's a casual EDH card. It deals with cats, dogs, and birds, and snakes, which a lot of people make decks around. Mm -hmm. It also deals with goats, which I have a personal soft spot for, as the original sketch for Mountain Goat is right there. Uh, and as some of you know, I collect. I just think that this is a great long-term casual EDH card. The low on the non-foil is only a dollar, which is four times low on the regular version, so why would you not get the better version? The foil is also only $4.33. Now, I think that this card absolutely gets reprinted in a Commander product, which is another reason I opted for the box topper. Got it. Okay, that makes whatever sense. Instead, because this slides into so many decks that they can reprint at any time because they like printing cats and dogs. They love printing snakes. Mm -hmm. uh, and birds are in most green decks. There's also... Not Commander Isha, that's the mono-white bird, uh, Kanji. Yeah, Kanji. Kanji is a blue-white bird warrior, yep. and so there are a lot of um, aggressive and taxing strategies based around that general that do does use a lot of birds. So while not as popular as the other creature types, more so than ox and goat at least, uh, yeah. there is a niche for this. Yeah, and it's it also adds counters, which is, of course, something that a lot of people love to do uh, in the EDH. So I just think that, you know, if you can pick this up for a buck for the non-foil yep. and even, you know, 3 to $4 for the foil, absolutely. I, I, I All day long. I like this pick because my immediate thought was, oh, this is just going to be another swarm yard. Yep. And I've got Swarm Yard up now, and you can, and we can see that all this does is add a colorless mana and then regenerate either an insect, a rat, a spider, or a squirrel. And I think the most relevant creature type on that card still is Squirrel. Yep. And all it does is regenerate a squirrel. But none of the car cards you care about, I believe, that make squirrels are actually squirrels. They're humans. Yeah. Like, this is so, None of these creature types are popular in EDH, but this card is powered by EDH. Yes. And that's exactly the type of thing that Animal Sanctuary slides into. And obviously, when Swarm Yard came out, we didn't know EDH was ever going to be a thing. Yeah. And now we know EDH is a thing. And Animal Sanctuary is just an incredibly good buy. Yes. I think at the price it's at for the full art. I you know, I agree. It, it, it's the, it's insulated, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, foil on the regular one is a dollar. Which, if you want to go that route, go for it yeah. because they're not going to reprint foils in a commander deck of a land. I wouldn't think. Who knows? We could just get all foil commander decks one day. But super solid pickup. I, you know, it may be a year or two years before mm -hmm. it reaches the price you want. It may be six months because all of a sudden they may say, hey, uh, we just stopped Core 21, so we could catch up on Jumpstart and Double Masters yeah. and everything else. So. Yeah. No, agreed. Uh, I like this more than Swarm Yard because Swarm Yard, while relevant in terms of creature type, regeneration is strong but not as strong as a plus one plus one counter it seems innocuous but between doubling season parallel lives anointed procession and the myriad of ways to proliferate uh plus one plus one counters 
I think this one is a little more powerful than the rest. It's the kind of card yep. that you should be pairing with Seedborn Muse and Untap effects like that, so you can get multiple uses out of multiple uses of it out of a turn. So right now, the scope of this card might seem a little narrow to a lot of players because it's like, oh, it's just one token. How do I make this work? You gotta invest in it. You gotta actually supplement yeah. it with some other odds and ends. You can't just slide it in like a land that regenerates your pack rat. Well, and yeah. it's the type of thing that in the decks that are running, you know, in a green deck, you're gonna try to run something like a Seedborn Muse or a Wilderness Wreck yeah. or something like that anyway. So it just slides into that. Exactly. So and it's I, you know takes a land slot and doesn't cost you a whole lot. Exactly. And I, like I said, I think right now it's just not being overshadowed. It's just not being looked at properly because it's. It looks very narrow, but in reality, it's not. You just have to find a way to make it not narrow. And that's yeah. when I think that this card will actually begin to, to rise, and it, both in price and popularity, is when people start seeing how it's being utilized you know, more properly yeah. than just once a turn. Yep. Right. Uh, my pick this week is actually based off of uh, lack of movement from Jumpstart, and it is Keening Stone. From Rise of Eldrazi in particular. Yeah. So, okay. uh, Keening Stone, you know, six for an artifact with an activated ability of five and tap. Target player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of cards in that player's graveyard. So, what does this have to do with Jumpstart? Keyword, mill. So, when we look at EDH Rec for uh, Keening Stone, we're going to find just a ton of mill and graveyard-based commanders, including Bruvac, who actually has moved up on this chart a couple spots since uh, I wrote my write-up. And it slides into combo decks uh, with Fainax. You can use something like Eater of the Dead and a card called Night Howler from the original Theros block, which uh, basically allows you to mill everybody out once you land both of them. It slides into Geth, decks which are just looking for graveyard synergies because geth can reanimate uh, a creature from a graveyard and it's yep. just going to slide into something that is more uh kind of casual within a deck like bruvac which is mono blue and relies on a card like traumatize sphinx's intuition uh is it just literally jace's intuition the new sphinx's intuition and basically yeah. hard mill cards like that and takes a more casual approach to mill in the fact that it it doesn't combo out like Fainax does, but you can just merc a player really quickly with Mono yeah. Blue. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, the way Bru uh, Bruvac and Traumatize work together. Traumatize says uh, target player puts the top half of his or her library uh, rounded up into yeah. the graveyard. Uh, oh, down. Yeah. yeah, one of them. Into the graveyard. So if they have an even number of cards with Bruvac out, they mill their entire library. If they have an odd number, they're left with one. While Keening yeah. Stone is effectively another mill card and will trigger twice, or you'll mill twice off of Bruvac. Now, the timeline on this that we have thus far for stocks basically does show an increase in price from Jumpstart announcement, but it has not come back to its all-time high, which is about $5 a number of years ago. And yeah. I think this card has three to six months on it at most before it just takes off. And the reason for that is, as we talked about this episode, the limited release of Jumpstart and the inability for players to pick up cards like Bruvac. That card has an, a $40 price tag lot right now, which for a very casual theme overall in EDH 
is really expensive. And that is a huge breakpoint break for people to get into this deck. As opposed to something yeah. like Fainax, which has a $10 price point. So if you're limited on budget, you can buy Fainax, slap that in as your general, and just play a more cohesive strategy overall and take a little longer to get the job done. Yeah. So I would expect when we get a second wave of Jumpstart, that's when everything for Jumpstart comes down, Bruvac drops, and then this is when people will move in a little more into Mill, and we'll see this, this casual theme uh, pick up overall. And this is a card I would just kind of pick up and sit on uh, into Infinity, because, again, like Angels and Dragons, this is another one of those themes that people will just want to get into because it's nice and casual. Yeah. As far as Bialis numbers go, this has been pretty solid on CK. They've been they've been looking for 24 for a fairly long time uh, from the for Rise of Eldrazi. It's been on the Bialis for a very long time. The number of vendors on TCG Player is slowly dwindling for Rise of the Eldrazi. There's under 100 left for uh, English copy. Sorry. I can never f- remember how to phrase this properly. <laughs> when you filter for English language, there are under 100 unique prices left. A little yeah. more for non-English but we like to operate in the uh, the easiest to sell space. Truth. And the market price for this has basically been the same uh, all weekend. Everything has risen, as you can see via the stocks graph, since I picked this card about a month ago. I've been keeping my eye on it. And I think now is the time to move in because that graph is still moving and it's still under $3. I think this is a $6 card in short order and closer to 10 oh, in the long run. So. Uh, until they actually make Commander, Commander Deck Mill. I don't think we're going to see this card come back. That's the only other printing it has is Commander 2016, I believe, and it has yet to be in anything else since. Rise of the Eldrazi, so it has a set foil, and Commander 2016. Those are the three ways you can get this card. And then it's gone. Kaput. And I think it's very much worth noting as well that this is, like you said, casual EDH card, which, again, one of the only formats that is actually seeing any type of growth whatsoever right now is casual EDH. Mm -hmm. EDH in general. Mm -hmm. And it will be eternal. It will honestly probably outlast magic at this rate. So it's definitely, I think, worth noting that something like this slides into that really, really digestible $2 to $3 buy-in that short term turns into a double up pretty quickly and that's the type of thing that you know i can't tell you how many times and i'm sure it's happened to you too you're at a booth at an event and someone says i need something for my mill deck i need something for you know my cat deck or something like that this is the type of thing that people will just browse around for so if you happen to be, you know, somewhere where a store is, you know, has their tables set up, you can go there, hang out. Someone will browse your binder, see this card and be like, that is a great fit for my mill deck. And there you have it. That's how Traumatize sells. That's how it's yes, always it sold. <laughs> yep. Whenever, and Sphinx's tutelage for years, we would keep him in the case because it was modern playable being in Origins, but in reality, it was the most worthwhile mill card to put in your case that wasn't Fainax. And yeah. even then, you wouldn't make room for Fainax because it didn't see play outside of anything other than uh, EDH. Sphinx's Tutelage yeah. 
was at least a little more digestible by people. So, yes, it absolutely. It also had the added benefit of, uh, you know, I never really knew this card existed, so I'm going to get it. Yep. And Keening Stone kind of has that same thing going for it, mm -hmm. where it's from an older set, where some of the newer players may just not know about it. Oh, yeah, So you absolutely. can get in and be like, hey, uh, see this card? This is great. And all of a sudden, boom, they're in. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Uh, and then the reason I picked Rise of the Eldrazi is because it is a much more narrow release than Commander. And then this is the yeah. that's the point we love to harp on, which is just the moment you put eyes on something that's old is generally speaking when it takes off. Mm -hmm. And so now that Bruvax here and just kind of reinvigorates, I'll put that in quotes, the the mill strategy. That's what you're going to see out of stuff like this. Uh, I think Traumatized took a jump as well, foil and non from bulk to you know a number that isn't bulk. Yeah. And that's why keyword mill. Yeah. Yep. So it's something you can rely on because we've already seen it start. This is basically the last little bit of uh, product that hasn't been hit by that rising tide, so to yeah. speak. So that's where I am. I'm about it. So uh, I think we are good for this week, correct? Yes. Yep. No. Uh, I think next week we have a little more to talk on in regards to TCG player. There's another topic we wanted to hit on, but you got the messaging for that and i have not yet so yes once i'm waiting able to for some of that information to trickle its way out to the public and uh man i really wish there was an alternative to tcg player that's all i'm gonna say that'll that'll be a very good discussion for us to have but uh until next week yeah you can find us on spotify stitcher itunes youtube facebook twitter and again we don't need the like we would appreciate the subscribe we definitely want the comments and the feedback and yes. you can find uh we are everywhere that we have listed and apparently in magic legends now at mtg Cabalcast, and yep including patreon and yep. you can find me on twitter at halt i am reptar and we can find you at thirsty sizzler and we'll see you guys next week yep see ya